Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I work in eastern Massachusetts and I work on additions and renovations to existing homes. And this podcast is meant for people who are interested in renovations or planning a renovation, feel like they don't know enough about them, would like to learn as much as they can before they start. So that's why I started it. And along the way, I've had some interesting conversations with people. And this week is no exception. Today, I'm talking to uh, Amy Everard, who has her own podcast on interior design. And I've been enjoying that. So we've gotten to know each other a little bit. She agreed to come on. And here is our conversation. Amy, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. Yeah. And um, as I mentioned before, we are going to discuss a potentially um, a potentially controversial subject, which is you are an interior designer and I'm an architect. Yes. And so what is the difference between us when would someone hire you? When would someone hire me? When would someone hire you after me? Like what is, I, and, and I have offended a number of interior designers asking that question. And so I've never really gotten the answer in all these years. So, so do you think we could talk about that? You know? Yeah. And I'm so glad that you said that because I was kind of making some notes this morning and I was like, gosh, I have to figure out a way to word this without being offensive to architects. So yeah. I'm glad that you're kind of on the same page where it's like, we definitely have slightly different approaches, but I think there's some common ground and that's where things get a little confusing. So yeah. it's a really good topic. I think it's something that comes up in our industry a lot that gets talked about, but I don't think it gets talked about so much in terms of clients and informing clients when the right person for an interiors job would be the way to go or if you want to work with an architect that kind of thing so right. it's it's a good discussion and also obviously you are you and i and me and other interior designers have a different scope they're comfortable with and other architects have a different scope they're comfortable with so we are just sample of two people, but I think it still be helpful for everybody. So I am often asked, so do you design the interiors or just the exterior or do I have to hire someone else to move around the walls inside? And um, I kind of view my job as being definitely, if there's an addition, it's definitely the massing of the addition and then the flow and the everything on the inside as well. I mean, walls. Um, I think someone described it to me once as anything that when, if you sh picked up the house and shook it, would not fall out. But then I've heard interior designers say that's also what they do. And so some people, I think, think that interior designers um, buy furnishings and maybe sometimes they do. But then decorators are not interior designers. So I get that. And then decorators buy, I don't know. I'm going to let you talk about it since I'm, I know what I do, but I don't know what anybody else does. Right. It's so true. And and I'm glad you brought that up too, because there's kind of a couple of different levels there, right? So there are interior decorators who are very focused on furnishings and finishes and accessories and artwork. And what they do is tremendous and very focused on style and it's layered and complex and very, very detail focused, but it's what you do when all of the walls are set, when the doors are up and, and there's not 
a lot of planning that goes on in terms of decorating. But when you're working with an interior designer, interior designers have that extra level of planning involved. So they may have thoughts about what your floor plan layout should look like, what rooms should be next to each other, how big a room should be, what the flow is. And that's where I think interior designers and architects overlap. Like an interior designer would never specify a exterior window. You know, we wouldn't really be thinking about that. We might have thoughts about where the window could be or how much light it should let in or things like that. But we would never really get into any of the nuts and bolts of the outside of the building. But the outside and the inside always work together. And that's where the the overlap with interiors and architecture really is, is this idea of flow and interface and how a human being actually interacts with a space. And I think that depending on the scope of the job that you're looking at and the basically the flow that you want to have, that's where I think you can have a little bit of an informed decision about an interior designer or an architect. So if you are not necessarily looking to add anything onto the exterior of your house, but you maybe are interested in changing the way your space feels, the way it flows, the way it functions, that's where an interior designer would come into play. So for instance, one of the things that I really like to do, so I'm based out of New York City, and we, obviously New York is notorious for having pretty limited real estate footprints. You know, we're, we're all kind of living in shoe boxes and of various sizes, of course. I'm actually pretty pleased with the size of my apartment, but I have a lot of clients who will come to me and say, hey, I've got a 400 square foot studio. It's a weird shape. I keep tripping over my ottoman. I can't cook something in my kitchen, what do I do? And so I can work with them to help with furniture placement and flow and and really maximize the footprint that they're working with without moving any walls, without creating any new doors, without adding any additional square footage. So if for some reason I did want to add or remove a wall, that's where my powers as an interior designer would need to bring, I would need an architect's help for that. Um, particularly in New York City, just because of the the building codes and um, removing or adding walls requires you to get an architect on board. So I think that's, that's the approach that you would take is like how how focused are you on like the the micro versus the macro? In New York City, is it because it's multi, um, multi-family, like apartments? That's why you need an architect to move walls. I mean, it's always tough. It's always tricky in a building where other people are in the other units to do any wall moving or toilet moving. I have found. Yeah, I think part of it is that it's it's multi-tenant, and there is always someone above or below you. Probably ninety eight percent of the time but I think also it's because of the density of the city so if you're even if the person next to you in a different building is is doing something you're going to feel it you're going to hear it Um, and there are just also a lot of really tight union laws that we have to adhere to so that's when you would definitely need an architect so yeah plumbing any electrical moving you need to have an architect um, sign and seal drawings at that point in New York. Mm. And things like um, finish selections and that sort of thing. Some architects do that. I think I've mentioned to you before that I don't 
I'm not involved with that in my own job, let's just say. So I, I, I get really overwhelmed when I go to the tile store, to be honest. And so you'd mentioned something about having kind of a plan for that. So how do you want to talk about your method of making that simpler? So one thing that I think is really important, and I see this with a lot of interior designers, um, is it's really important to have some kind of an overarching concept for the work that you're doing. And this can be something that is basically like a story of your home or whatever space you're using. If, it, if you're doing an office, if you're doing a retail store, there needs to be a little bit of a history or a concept that's driving all of these decisions. So if I'm working with a residential client, the, the thing to focus on is the history of the people who live there or something that makes them feel really special or excited. So some of the activities that I'll do when I'm first working with a client as part of discovery is to get them to pull in what I call artifacts, like objects that mean something to them that might have um, sentimental value, whether it's a family photograph or a souvenir from a trip that you really loved. Some people really like to focus on their travels and then their home becomes this little showroom of the great vacations they've been on. Some people get really excited about their family history and want to celebrate that, whether it be, um, you know, recent family history, like if their family is um, a certain type of business owner, or it can even be further back history if you're from a particular country and that's something that you want to celebrate or your, your roots are from a particular country and that's something you want to celebrate. But it's really important to kind of dive into what home and what your conception of yourself is because your home should really be a celebration of you. So if you if you take the steps to define what that means to you, which there are so many different kind of like development exercises that I'll go through with clients to tease that out because it can be hard to really say like, okay, so tell me what, what makes you special. Of course, that's like a perfect question to ask someone if you want them to freeze in their tracks, but mm -hmm. you, you can do a lot of fun exercises and get people to come out of their shells and then really get, you know, between three and five bullet points of like, okay, so I want this to be a celebration of my travels. And that means that I want to focus on different climates, um, natural light and, interesting textures, you know, and to have those three bullet points. And then any decision that you make throughout the design process, if you're feeling confused, you just kind of run it through like, does it meet these three, these three criteria that we developed? And that will help you decide if you're looking at the right product or not. And it can even help you narrow your focus before you even walk into the tile store. So if you know you want something that feels like it is a souvenir from one of your travels, you know that white subway tile probably isn't going to be what you're going to go with. So you can kind of narrow it down. And that's also really important because not only in the selection process, but then once it's installed, once everything is done, the dust is settled and you're not talking to your interior designer or your architect anymore, you still love what you have and it still means something to you. Because if you're just kind of focusing on trends or what you kind of are interested in right now. Like I have a lot of clients who get really focused on styles and Pinterest boards, whether it's like yeah. 
oh, I want the farmhouse aesthetic. And it's like, okay, but what does that mean to you? Like, why are you drawn to that? Especially in New York City. I'm like, what do you like about the farmhouse aesthetic? We live in New mm. York, you know? Yeah. So, And maybe it does mean something really important to them. Maybe they come from a history of farming families, you know? And if that's the case, that's great. But it's important to identify that and get the client to really... Um, really care about each individual selection and feel really connected to each individual selection. Hmm. That is an interesting point because people often share their Pinterest boards with me and I guess they look nice. Most of the, most of the images on Pinterest look nice, but I, um, yeah, beyond that, I feel like, okay, so I, what I get from that is that you like a gray cabinet or you want a wood cabinet. I mean, that's as far as I go. So somebody like you would be able to translate into the, the story or the narrative that they, they want to communicate about their house. Exactly. I feel like um, that is definitely something that you see a lot of, right? Is this kind of like, oh, I want white cabinets. And it's like, that's great. Like white cabinets are beautiful, but like, what does that mean to you? Because what I've dealt with a lot is having clients who change their mind in the design process. And that can get really tricky to navigate when you're trying to keep to a budget and a schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody's trying to keep to some kind of a budget or a schedule. So the idea of having an overarching concept and having these kind of beacons along the way will help the client feel really empowered and informed. And um, I think the other the other thing is just like really confident in their design decisions. Um, Because if they say, okay, I want white cabinets and then their mother-in-law comes over and says, why wouldn't you do wood cabinets? Some people can get really tripped up on that. That sounds like a mother-in-law thing to say. Well, and and you'd be surprised when someone is taking on renovation work, all of a sudden everybody has an opinion. It's not just one particular type of person. It's like the, if you say, oh, we just renovated and you have a complete stranger come into your home, they, they'll have something to say. And so you have to kind of prepare the clients to be a little bit bulletproof to other people's opinions because everybody has a very unique sense of taste and design aesthetics. So if someone comes over and they say, well, why does your sofa look like that? You can know, you know why it is, but you also feel like maybe you don't owe them an explanation, you know? Right. Well, that might be a different podcast altogether, actually. I know. (laughs) Not really caring. I've had a few times where people, I come back to discuss a project and someone said, well, my personal trainer was over and they thought that I should open up this wall. My personal trainer, why? You know, what kind of relationship do you have with your personal trainer? But it's true because (laughs) when people don't feel empowered about the decisions they're making, then any type of feedback is like, oh, they must know more than I do. So I think part of our jobs, both as interior designers and architects, is to let the clients walk away feeling like every decision is meaningful and someone can come in and question it all they want, but they'll know like, no, 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 we we looked at this and this is really important to me and who I am as a person and who my family is. And um, it really just takes a lot of the arbitrary um, aesthetic kind of like, oh, I think this, I like purple, I like brown kind of thing out of it and makes it be more about like, this is who I am and this is my home. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And if you can empower somebody, that would be great. Yeah, it's definitely good. Yeah, I I mean, I think about, I don't feel like I walk into my friend's houses and say, oh, why'd you get that couch? Or do you think those pillows were a good choice? Or like, I, why'd you open up this wall so much? This is just like, yeah, I don't feel like I go in, maybe I do. And I might hear about it if I do, but I, I feel like generally maybe people should just stop commenting on other people's design choices or aesthetic choices. A hundred percent. And I feel like it's, it's different when you work in the industry, right? And you have seen hundreds of sofas. So you know that there's a, a wide variety out there. I think people who don't necessarily work in interior design or architecture might actually make comments like that from a place of curiosity and maybe maybe they want to make over their own home and and are kind of living vicariously through whoever's house they're visiting and they start asking questions and probably don't come from a rude place but it comes off as kind of like oh you're questioning everything you know um but ultimately I always take that as like oh you're interested in interior design and architecture you Mm. just might not have um like have that itch scratched in the right place so you're kind of taking it out on your friends (laughs) right (laughs) you have a podcast soft landing and why don't you tell me about that how did you start that and who's your ideal listener for that yeah soft landing is um a podcast it's a weekly podcast i release episodes on wednesdays and I started the podcast initially because I really wanted to make interior design accessible to everyone. And I feel like I've been in this profession for a few years now. And um, there is this association with interior design and luxury, which is fine. But I do think that design thinking and design principles should be something that is accessible to anyone who wants it. It shouldn't be this secret lock and key kind of thing where if you're a DIYer, like I'm here to help you and direct you. And if you want to work with an interior designer, I also want to help inform that process because I think if clients are working with an interior designer or architect for the first time, there are always a lot of surprises. So I like to talk about the process of working with an interior designer. I also just like to talk about tips and tricks and ways to approach spaces that people might not think of. Um, Like this idea of having a concept and tying everything back to an overall theme. Um, And so I talk a lot about things like that, but I also like to have a lot of fun. I like to do, um, you know, I like to roast different trends and, um, and have a good time. So it's, it's a fun podcast, but it's ultimately in the name of distributing information and educating the public. Like you said, like, I love, I love to do little PSAs and get people really informed because I think knowledge is power. Right. I totally agree with you. And I'm kind of drawn to your podcast because I feel the same way about people's attitudes about architects, you know, that maybe we're not accessible to everyone. And so my new tagline is architects are for everyone, which some of my fellow architects might not like, but I feel like I can help people understand things. They don't have to hire me to do it. I help them with the home renovation process. And if somebody wants just design advice, I can help them with that. Or I just feel like people can, a lot of people tell me they wanted to be architects growing up and they decided not to because they were bad at math. Usually they tell me. And I luckily didn't know you were supposed to be good at math to become an architect. I'm good with fractions and 
otherwise I send stuff to my engineer for really, ex, you know, extreme um, math. But I just feel like a lot of people would like to design their own space if they only really felt empowered to do it. So I think we have that in common. I agree. And that's what I like about your show is that you do have all of these great topics about like where to get started, how to work with a contractor. And I think that those are really scary questions for people who don't know anything about building. So I love that your podcast approaches all of those topics. I think it's so cool. Yeah. So you're between the two of us, people should be able to just design and make their house beautiful. Exactly. Get empowered, right. get get informed. It's all available. It's all right here. Well, thank you. Thank you, Amy. I don't know if we settled settled the interior designer versus architect. Um, but I feel like maybe if we could sum it up, it would be that you have a theme and I don't. Yeah, I think I think the other thing that I always think about with interior designers and architects is that, you know, interiors are thinking about like this very specific micro level of like, okay, I'm sitting here recording my podcast. What am I looking at? You know, or it's like for a non-podcaster, it would be like, okay, you're standing at your kitchen sink doing your dishes. What are you looking at? What are you standing on? What do you feel? Whereas I think architects think a lot about building envelopes and the shape and getting the right sunlight. So they're really um, kind of, it's a relay race, right? Like there's a baton passing of like big picture flow things and then these much more like detailed nuances so they they are one in the same two two halves of the same coin but but very different approaches for sure yeah well I really appreciate you being open to talking to me about it thank and you so much for having me yeah well may, hopefully I'll have you back in sometime when we talk about specific topics I would love that well, thanks for listening. I, I really hope to have Amy on again someday, and we'll talk about some other shared interests. Um, yeah, I think that cleared it up a little bit for me. I hope that it did for you too. If you have experiences working with either architects or interior designers, you could always send me those stories at the house maven at talkinghomerenovations.com. Please also send any ideas you have for episodes coming up. Um, I'm always open to suggestions about things. And join me over on my Facebook group, which is Talking Home Renovations, or Instagram, same, Talking Home Renovations, or on TikTok. Or if you're on TikTok, write to me and tell me you're on TikTok, because I um, would love to follow more renovation um, TikTok accounts. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out who's who on that platform. I'm pretty new over there. As always... This episode is a production of Demios Architects, my architecture firm. You can find information over there in my blog about all sorts of things. You can get a free download, um, Getting Started with Home Renovations. And yeah, so go check that out. See if you can find information you need over there. If you like it, let me know. Thanks again to Amy for coming on the show and we talk again soon and until next episode take care